my wife's uh, elder Zayda, Yakovasha Khalaf, I just heard a few days ago, lived one of the great uh, saints of his time. So I just heard a few days ago that he said, You know what Elam Havu is? Elam Havu is a Daskumara on a telephone. I would be able to learn without a telephone. Yakov Moshe didn't have a telephone. He had a telephone in the basement of his uh, building. And my father tells me that he may have gotten five phone calls a day. You can imagine uh, if he'd be living at this time. So you didn't mention how we have to grapple with finding Elmhav in this world. And I was preparing, I remembered that I heard a little while ago a comment from Ray Howard. Howard's a very fine Talmud Chacham and Rabbi Baltimore. He read yesterday that the Mitzvah, the person who suffers uh, Taras, he suffers the leprosy because he didn't speak properly, perhaps he was uh, thought too much of himself, perhaps he was uh, not uh, open-handed enough, and when he comes to receive his, uh, his re-entering the Klal Yisrael into the Jewish community, it says, the Nasana Kohen al-Tunuch ozena metara yemonis v'alboen yondua yemonis v'alboen ratla yemonis that the Kohen puts some blood on the right ear, the right earlobe. He puts a little bit of blood on the big toe, a little bit of blood on his thumb. So Mahara said, I understand why he has to have blood on his ear. Because he listened to Lashon Hara, because he caused him, and he also listened to Lashon Hara. I understand he has to have some blood on the and his big toe because perhaps he went to the wrong places. He hung around him for the wrong people. He pursued uh, disseminating information on others. But what about the thumb? He said, it must have been because of texting. <laughs> and the truth is that and that's what we'll discuss in part tonight, the texting and, and emailing, everything which is called social media, which is really anti or non-social media. That the, the few moments with which we often begin a conversation. So that's what makes it into something personal. The few moments when you exchange some comments with someone. The few moments that you inquire about someone. Which if a person texts or emails, they don't require that kind of etiquette. But that's what changes a relationship. Not just need information from somebody. I'm not just calling somebody to, to check in with them. But those few moments which texting and emailing have robbed from us, so those are moments of building relationships or friendships of making a person feel a person. Tonight, I want to discuss the impact of, of social media on specifically Torah relationships, as you described, and how it's impacted Torah relations. No question that the, the internet and cyberspace and, and Google and 
and various servers have increased the ability to teach Torah manifold. Many people will be listening to this Russian on, uh, over the internet. Torah Web has been successful in, in spreading Torah internationally. The Torah of, of Yerodorov, Rebutin, Rav Shechter, and many others. To the likes of which it would have been impossible in the years gone by. Aaron Khan, whenever Rosh Hashiva cooked a few years ago, just as the internet was developing, so now he understands the possible Molord Das Hashem. Now we can understand what we're talking about in times of Mashiach. The entire world will be full, full of Akash Baruch's knowledge because it's so accessible. Every place. Just uh, saw last week a comment from Rabbi Yoshev. There's a medrash, you probably discussed it either this week or in times gone by. It's a very common medrash discussed about Parshish Mitzorah. There was once a, a salesman. And he was going from town to town around the city of Tzipori. Who wants to find a potion that will give them long life? Those and everybody was coming. He was getting big crowds. Rabbi Yana was learning and he, he heard this. He also went to live a long time. So somebody is saying, I have a potion that will give long life. Omar lay tosak locha zovan kani says I also want to buy this. So the uh, the rachel the salesman said no, it's not for you. You and your group they don't need this. It's rachel. Yana would not take no for an answer. He pushed, he pushed, and finally he took it a safer tailor and he quoted the pasuk miriisha chavis chayim. Who wants to live a long life? Sir l'shon chum meiros v'zechum idaber mirmas. So you have to be careful the way that one speaks. Chavis chayim. The one who dedicated his life so successfully to creating a Shulchan Aruch of, of uh, how to speak, he lived a very long life, Baruch Hashem. When he was 80, he made a party. So he told his children, they were wondering why the party at 80. He said, well, if I wouldn't have made it to 80, I would have looked like a phony. Because here I'm publicizing uh, that if a person is careful about their language, to live a long life, what would have happened if I would have died young? But now that I got to 80, so Kodesh Baruch Hu gave me a simon tov, he made me feel, at least presentably, gave my swarm credence, credibility. So Rabbi when he hears the salesman read these two psukim from Tehillim that we are very familiar with every Shabbos morning, so Rabbi says, Kol Yomai Oyisi Korea Apostle Kazem Eloisi Deheichonu. He said, I've read this so many times. And I didn't realize it's how to understand it, simple meaning. I should go until this salesman told me. And all of us wondered, what was the great discovery that Rabbi Yana heard from this version? So Yoshim suggests, number one, he understood from, Rabbi Yana understood that this version understood that Domina Melech appreciated marketing. He said, Kol Yimai, all my life I was looking for some deep meaning, deep hidden meaning. Who wants, I was darshaning what's life, what's chafet. He's now realized it's just to bring the crowds together. It was his opening line. It was the, uh, I have the great schus of being the warmer back for Rabbi Shechter. It was the so he said, I'll, 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 I'll say, you have to bring people in. 
you have to spread Torah as far and wide as possible. That's what David Melch was saying. If that will be what, we, what markets Torah, we have the greatest Torah to the greatest teachings to mark. So Koli Mai was looking for something very deep and hidden, and, and this Rechel told me, no, it was our responsibility to bring the Torah to the far reaches of, of our own people, wherever they are. So there's no question that social media and all the different forms that have given rise to it have given us the ability to spread Torah so far and wide, and given us the ability to to maximize any shear that's any, anything that's written, any different Torah. With every great uh, advent and with every possibility of blessing comes comes caution as well, comes concern as well. And if I had to summarize what we'll be speaking about this evening, it's the way that uh, something that's very, very familiar and very well known to the community of Fairlaw. There is a Rambam. And this Rambam, we'll begin with this Rambam, we could end with this Rambam, it catches everything that we have to say tonight. Omu Chachomim, im harab domeh Hashem Tzvois, Torah Yevakshu Mipiyu. You have, you find a person, you have a Rav, who's like a Malach Hashem, he's, he's, uh, his conduct, his behavior is, is, is above what we expect of ourselves, seek Torah from that uh, person. Have, uh, I begin with Posen Bechod Achdanya, that uh, the colleagues of Rabbi Yudin, the Talmud of Rabbi Yudin, so they appreciate that if we had to have a, a picture of what the Rabbi was referring to as Yerav, and uh, that many times, over the years that I've been teaching in Yeshiva, and I mentioned this to Yerav, that Wonderful, wonderful Talmidim from Pharaoh. Talmidim Chachamim, budding Talmidim Chachamim. Very impressive. And one after the other. And to my mind, it has to be because of the influence of Yerav and how he's impacted upon you. To raise young people who are, who are so ehrlich and uh, so good and, and, uh, and so insightful and, and love learning. And, and you've, this shul has, has raised young people who are teaching Torah, or spreading Torah. I often think that Halavai, uh, I should be that successful. In uh, my own shul, to be able to look, most of the youngsters in my shul are very young now. Halavai should be able to look back, as you're able to look back now and see how you've raised Baruch Hashem. And one of my rabbis, I don't know who it was, and I don't know where I saw this, that interpreted this idea, the Rambam, what does it mean that a person is supposed to be like a, a Malach Hashem? So he suggested a Malach Hashem is unique that it has a Shlichus. A Malach is unique in that he, he has one, one goal in mind. He has, he has one mission. When he completes that mission, he gets another mission. Because a Rebbe, a teacher, when he teaches Torah, he has one mission in mind. If a person is able to find a Rav or Rebbe, so that when they're in conversation with him, you see that it's your best interests that uppermost in the mind of Rebbe, your growth that's uppermost in the mind of Rebbe, then Torah Yivak should be for you. Something that uh, one can't find 
from electronic media. So one can't find, without uh, finding the, the person who feels that sense of mission towards those who come to learn Torah. Just yesterday, when it comes to, when it comes to seeking out direction from people, just as we, we seek direction from all sources, you had mentioned before, so we can sometimes find answers over the internet. Because sometimes they ask a question over the internet. But if a person asks questions over the internet, he's missing so much. We had uh, just yesterday, Neshachachma, and Mary Simchamidvinsk, and the great, great minds of the, of the previous century, and the great minds and the great uh, souls. And Mary Simcha points out that we read in the Apostle yesterday, the Roar Koinas Anaga, the coin sees the blister, the Ora Bosa, in the person's skin. Sayer Benega Ofaklov, and he sees that the hair is turned white. Mara Nega Omaik Mi Ormasare, and he sees that it looks deeper than the rest. Nega Tsarasu, it's uh, leprosy, it's Tsaras. Vira That's what we just said, Vira why does the Torah repeat there are And the Kayin sees him, and Timaeus, and he's Metami. So Mary Simcha says the Gemara points out that sometimes a person can have a nega, but the person, because of certain person circumstances, personal circumstances, maybe he's a chosan. He's in the Shevet Brachas. So the Kayin will not be Metami him then. Doesn't to. So the coin is told the first look at the nega, first look at the blister. And then he says, and then look at the person. And see whether Allah demands that he conducts himself with tzeras. And this insight, where Mary Simcha says, is an insight to every post, like every rav. Every rav, when he hears the shayla, it's first he has to evaluate the question. And he has to bring all of his learning and all of his understanding to evaluate the question. And then Vira'ahu, then he's look at the person. And see how the how the person brings sometimes individual circumstances, individual requirements, individual sensitivities that have to be part of the psaq. I had the great schus of, of learning for some time under Rav Nissen Alfred and some. Rav Nissen Alfred was uh, a Talmud of Rav Moshe Feinstein. Rav Nissen Alfred was a great Talmud Chacham in his own accord. He was an unusual person. He was a great Darshan. He was a great Magashir. He was a Posek. And he often told us that when it comes to Paskening, so we have to seek Chesed Vemes. First, Emes. First, you have to figure out the Psaq, figure out the Halacha, figure out how it applies, and make the decision, and deliver the decision. Then, you have a second job. You have to help the person, you have to help the person adjust to the new Psaq. You have to inquire how the person can adjust to it. That's the Chesed part. Of giving himself. That's why when it comes to raising questions, I remember that 
when I first uh, when I was learning Yiddishiva shortly after getting smicha, I, I would often ask my own questions from David Lipschitz that's out. Also one of our great Yiddishivas from still from Europe. And those who asked him questions remember that when one asked David a question then he he plied you with questions. Certainly if I was asking on behalf of a, a person of a Talmud, a person in Shul, who would ask me questions if it was a personal question, and if it was a Talmud, did you ask him this, did you ask him this? Many, and then, after several minutes of asking of uh, investigation, he would then review, he would then he would then re- he would then put together the, the the question that you asked with all the different information he had, and make sure that he understood it well. And then he gave up something. That conversation demonstrated the the gravitas of asking Yeshaya. When one of the great minds takes time to understand your question, to make sure that he understood it very well, to make sure that you've explored the question very well. So that sense of that communicated the importance of asking the Shaila, of this form of learning. And these are only these are only possible when one raises questions to to people, to Rabbanim, to Malachi Hashem. I had the great schus of studying for a while under one of the one of the great uh, lesser known poems of Yerushalayim of Sholem Eisen. Sholem Eisen was uh, a member of the Ada. The Eda Charedis, when this goes back to the, the early 80s. He was a member of the Eda for many, many years. But he was the member of the Eda Charedis who was open to Americans, who was open to uh, students of, of Hezer Yeshiva, students of, of America Zerav. And had, I had the great schools of spending time with him on a daily basis, several months. And then I had the, the ability to, to read various stories about that I hadn't seen on my own. One of the famous stories of Sholem Eisen was when somebody brought him a, a chicken to his home to see whether it was a kosher chicken or not. Eisen uh, looked at it and he said, this is a very difficult question. I'll need a few hours to figure this out. Please come back in a few hours. And then after the woman left to go back to her own home, he asked him his grandchildren, you see this chicken? See how much it weighs? The larger it is? Go to the, go to the butcher and want the exact same kind of chicken as close as you can. Brings the chicken back, Ravazan takes out a knife and starts cutting it so it should look like the question. And then, a few hours later, the woman comes back and says, I worked on it. It's caution. You can use it. And he explained to his children that this woman was a trade chicken. He's already always trade. But he knew this person couldn't afford to throw out a chicken. So that's the, the chesed ve'emes that uh, but it only can only be achieved the sense of the importance of asking the Shaila if it's to another person, to a rov. It's a person who's blessed with insight and an honesty and integrity. I was discussing our topic interview last night. He said it's important to describe that putting shyness aside, just learning from somebody. So it's true that a, a person 
could almost always, almost always learn many of the technical aspects of a mitzvah from a sefer. Internet, from a sefer, from a website. He says, but so often you're going to miss the, the neshama of the mitzvah. You're going to miss the inspiration of the mitzvah. And I was thinking in my own mind, where in my own life did I see? We all, we all experience it. Friday in Yerushalayim. That's an Erev Shabbos. If you think about an Erev Shabbos of Yerushalayim, that's, then you understand what it means. You can, you can learn all the halachas of Erev Shabbos. And you can learn how the focus of Erev Shabbos is to prepare for the Shabbos. And you can learn how as, the, as you get closer to the Shabbos. And you can even learn the Rambam, which makes the almost inachievable request in American Jews that Erev Shabbos is that uh, when Shabbos comes in a person before Shabbos comes in is sitting quietly in his own home waiting for for Shabbos to come in right? so, so often we feel wonderful if we make it to shul on time, still dripping from the air of Shabbos shower, right? And we feel wonderful. We sit down and we hear Ashrei. That's a successful Friday. But when you see an air of Shabbos in Yerushalayim, and you see the excitement for air of Shabbos, and the tumult, and then it dies down. We've all seen it. Two o'clock, three o'clock. It's quiet. First in, that, in recent years, Rebel Yoshev when he expanded the hours to receive people, he would see people 3 o'clock on a Friday afternoon. And he would go into, for that alone, to see Rol Yoshev sitting and waiting. He was ready for Shabbos. The whole house was ready for Shabbos. Then you understand not only the beauty of the era of Shabbos, you understand how the era of Shabbos, how it impacts on the Shabbos impacts on the person himself. And then I was wondering how would I convey the importance of, of learning from a the importance of what is to be gained by learning from someone else as opposed to learning from a text, learning from, from a website. So I was thinking in my own mind, what would I have have lost if I wouldn't have had the the privilege of learning from certain individuals. So I was thinking that I had the, the privilege of learning for several years from Rabbi Salvation. And of course I, we were always excited about the, the substance and the content of the Shura. But I have to say that far more impactful than the content of the Shura were watching how he imparted a love of learning. Because when, when, I, when I remember how the Rav would come in, first of all, he flew in. He's a, when I had the privilege of learning from him, he was already an older man in the late uh, 70s. And he would fly in from Boston to New York. When we were kids, we didn't appreciate the effort that it took to go to fly in and fly out every single week to teach us. But we did see that he, that when he came to Shear, it was, it was after a, a, a labored walk. We did see on his face that he was in, 
he was in, in, in pain. It was difficult. He certainly was exhausted. He was probably very, very uncomfortable. And he'd begin every shoe with a low voice. And uh, again, his, the facial expressions were one of, of great exhaustion. But within a short period of time, his voice became stronger. With a short period of time, as he began during the Gemara, raising the questions, analyzing the, the texts, so any sense of anguish or pain was entirely released. And the, and the excitement that he had, and, and the time that he spent, with, there, was no, there was no, the clock wasn't an issue. An hour, two hours, he had to be reminded by those who were helping him that the doctors insisted no more than two hours. That love of Torah, that's uh, something that Ashriyayi Nirosazos, when a person sees it, I remember on many occasions he would often bring a text and he would often be grappling with the text. More often than that, it was, uh, it was part of a drama because the older students knew that he had worked this text out uh, many years ago. But he certainly presented it as it was fresh and new, and it was a new problem, it was bothering him. And the Eulach, the, the, the sense of integrity that he presented, that he wouldn't rest until he felt comfortable that he worked out, that he, he explained the Raman correctly, he explained the Tosis correctly. He, he was Miyashe, he was able to settle each word in its place. And I remember one particular issue where he was very bothered and and he kept on questioning his own, his own uh, exploration, understanding, and at the end, after two hours, after two and a half hours, he felt comfortable with the way he explained the Ramah. And he felt that every single word fell into its place. And he closed with a tremendous smile on his face. And he said, I have to tell you, this is worth more to me than all the money in the world. You couldn't give me a million dollars. Because it's much more the happiness he felt at that moment. That Avasatara, that Yiras Shemai, that sense of integrity, that to say something that, that he felt was not correct was inaccurate. To grapple with the text until he felt comfortable that he was true to the, the Tosas, true to the Rama. Those are a life lessons that uh, I had the privilege of seeing in. Have the great schos as, as all of the Yoshevei Beis Hamedrash in our in our yeshiva have seen Yibovin Ochaim of Shechter that day in and day out the the hasmada the diligence to which of Shechter applies himself and uh, people my age and younger are sitting out of the other is there and the the sense of responsibility that he has, that whoever comes over, he takes the time to answer. It's such covet, such concern. He has, the achrayas he has, a sense of responsibility to respond to Talmudim all over, wherever they are, whatever they're asking questions. Again, Ashriyayin roses us. I had the, this chus growing up the, the Rav of my shul was Rabbi Rabbeinu was Rav Nachman Rabbeinu Abba Shem was Rashi Ben Malad Umim 
And he was a great Talmud Chacham. He had Shas Babli Yerushalmi was Munach Bekafi. That was very was at his fingertips. And as I again as I was preparing, I remembered a a uh, what he wrote as an introduction to one of his, his first sefer that he published. first sefer that he published was a collection of, of articles of shiurim, one in every Mesech uh, Shas. And he starts the introduction that I have, I completed this many years ago, and I didn't think it was, it was, it was, it was right, to print it, right to publish it. Because he didn't think it was the kind of sefer that people would read. Ashir and every Mesechta of Shas. But he explained that his own Rashashiva prodded him to publish. And what brought him to publish it was because before he was a Rav in Toronto, he was a Rav in Charleston. And he was, uh, and there he was responsible to, uh, there was no day school, so he began the day school. And there was a period of time when there was no first grade teacher in the day school. So he taught first grade. So here you have a, a, a very accomplished alumni of Neri Yisrael, great Talmud of Vuderman, and he's in the first grade class, and he's teaching Ba, Komets Ba, Beis Komets Ba, Beis Pasach Ba. And the, an older Rav comes in to visit him. An older Rav from he didn't say where he was from. And he sees that this Talmud Chacham is teaching Allah, Bain's Gimel Dalit. He writes in the clip, he said, at least he was teaching Taurus Evans. There's no question that he's, that he's teaching is correct. But he said, and this older Rav said, this is, this is the American Ravenant. So he said, I have to write the Sefer because the Shi'urim of this Sefer, most of them were said, most of them developed in Charleston. They were developed, they were said to the Balabatim in Charleston. So when people will wonder what was happening in this generation in America, they should realize that they were Rabbanim, the same Rav, had to teach Al of Bey's Gimel Dalin. The same Rav had to have an opportunity to uh, teach Torah on the highest level. And that's, that is what we, how he treated us and, and, and the, my parents and my parents' generation in Toronto. He insisted on teaching Torah on the highest level. He demanded of us, little kids, he would encourage us to make siyumim. He would encourage us to, to write our, our ideas there. He, he demanded of us to aspire. He demanded of us to, to try to reach heights that uh, in our minds were clearly. And out of that shul, there were many, many individuals whose dedication to learning, the whole shul was transformed into one where learning was taken very, very seriously. I'm going to close with an idea that Rav Chaim Volozhener develops at the very beginning of Perkyovus and beginning to develop these ideas as we study Perkyovus in the summer. In the very beginning of Mesechta's office, we all know the first line of Mesechta's office. Moshe Kibel Torah Misinai, Um Sarol Yeshua. Moshe received the Torah from Sinai, gave it over to Yeshua. 
Yeshua is Kedem. Yeshua gave over to the elders of his time with Talmudim, the Kedem and Vilium, the prophets. When the Vilium and the prophets, Ms. Saru gave it over to Anshay Knezlagdo. Chaim Aloshan asks, in his spirit to Oros, he asks, there's an inconsist- two inconsistencies in the text. One, it says, Moshe Kibil Terabisina, Umis Saru Yeshua. Could have said, Nimsar Hatora Lo Moshe. It could have said, Moshe Kibul Torah Sinai Yeshua Kibul Moshe. Moshe received the Torah from Sinai, and he transmitted it to Yeshua. It could have said Moshe received the Torah, and Yeshua received the Torah from Moshe. The next inconsistency is that it says Yeshua to the Zekenim. Doesn't say he gave it over. Zekenim to the Nibim. Doesn't say Umasiru. And then. The end of the sentence once again, Um Saru So Chaim Loshner explains why does the why is the Mishnah coded in this way? So he suggests that what Rabbi Nasi wanted to capture in this Mishnah was that there were certain times when the Torah and the knowledge of Torah and the understanding of Torah was severely diminished. When Moshe received the Torah from Sinai, the manner in which Yoshua learned from Moshe is entirely unlike the manner that Moshe learned from Kedush uh, Moshe received everything from Kedush He absorbed everything. He absorbed it with a clarity. Gemara says that Moshe was spoken to as Zeadov. Moshe absorbed all of Torah with a clarity that was unlike any human because Moshe was, was far from a human. He gave it over to Yeshua. That was such a drop in the transmission of Torah. Yeshua to the Zekenim was a, a minimal drop. Zekenim to the, to the Nevi'im, but the Nevi'im, to the Yanshei Knesset, that was at the, the beginning of the second base of Mikdash. That's when we lost the prophecy. That's when we no longer had the presence of the Rabon Shul Shechina in Beis Mikdash. So that was a, a drop of, of such great concern. And therefore, Chaim Lajna understands that with the first mission of us, and perhaps the first parak and second parak of us are really recording, is how do Sanzal respond to tremendous transitions in the transmission of Torah? What did the Ansheikh Nesak They were undergoing a tre- tremendous Transition. They would no longer have prophecy. They were preparing the Jews for the destruction of the second base of Mikdash. The Jews would be scattered all over the place. How do they prepare Jews for no longer having a base of Mikdash? So we know what they did. They gave us tefillah. They gave us davening. They gave us formal davening. They gave us brachos. Because if a Jew doesn't have a base of Mikdash and can't do a lila regular, how is he going to keep the presence of God always in mind? They gave us at the end of Mesech the Brachos, they gave us the ability to, to utter Hashem's name, which otherwise was inaccessible to us. But the point is that the Anshay Knesset Dolomar focus is a time of transition. Torah is going to be terribly diminished. We're not going to have the ability to, to teach Torah in the same way. So, how do we prepare ourselves? Have a Musunib Adin. You have to make changes. 
very, very with great, great, great forethought and consideration and great gravitas. And Miru Talmidim Arve, you can miss the, and you, you have to be concerned about the, the entirety of the Jewish people. You have to make sure that a change that you make is, is addressing the entirety of the people. That perhaps that you're only addressing part, another part will suffer from. Susa Yog, you always have to be concerned about protecting. I think that, and, and, and perhaps, Chaim Lozhin doesn't say this, but perhaps that's why it's called Ovos. Because it's in the Sechta of Ovos, since the beginning, is concerned that how do we maintain the, the Torah and the transmission of Torah to be true to those who originally gave it to us. We are going through a, a period of transition right now. The period of transition that has with it great, uh, great blessing. The ability to market Torah is beyond what we had before. The ability to to spread Torah far beyond. But there's it's a period of transition because the availability of Torah also means that Torah can become a, a faceless proposition. There was a Kriyshvar who gave a Torah that was always going to be a Torah Shabbat together with it. It was oral and there would be people. So just as the printing press challenged our ability to teach Torah from person to person, so now the social media and, and the, this will be a, a challenge that will happen in an increasing fashion. So we know that we're going to be challenged on the attention span that we and our children will have. You know that. And we also know that uh, those who are studying in Yeshiva, studying tomorrow, will be well hedged in. Because without an attention span, we can't uh, learn significantly. So we will be somewhat protected from, from some of the, uh, the ill effects. We know that the depth of thought is going to be terribly challenged. Because the speed with which one gets information and the lack of exploration required. We also know that as we continue to learn and study, and our children will learn and study, they'll learn Gemara and Mishnah, learn Yeshiva, will be well hedged in. Because without uh, depth, then uh, you know every page is meaningless. But now we have to consider and make sure that we are preparing ourselves for a period of time when it will become more and more accepted and become more and more accessible to learn in a, without having a person in a faceless fashion. And we have to consider then is that when it comes to asking questions there's a benefit to getting information but if it wants a Shiloh the way to be considered to its fullest extent, then it has to be from the Rav, which you, Baruch are blessed with, Rabbanim that I am blessed to have as well. It means that we have to redouble our efforts to attend this year, redouble our efforts to learn from Rebbein. Because as the world moves in one way, and we know how much we stand to lose. 
I just listed a few from my own from my own uh, experiences. I would have, if I wouldn't have had Rebbeim, so I would have never caught that love of learning. I would never caught the pursuit of truth. I would have never caught the integrity required. I would have never seen that sense of responsibility that individuals can have for for Klal Yisrael. Periods of transmission require Klal Yisrael to be focused and concerned. And that's what I think the, the, what I would suggest that as we as we go forward so we have to redouble our efforts to seek out the Malachi Hashem that HaKadosh Baruch Hu has blessed us with. To seek out those who feel a sense of shlichus, a sense of mission to the Jewish people. The Yavakshish Torah we feel and to seek Torah from them and then we will receive God's great blessing and God's great encouragement and to provide great nachas as well. Thank you very much.